Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to sport our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It is hard to believe that we have been having in-depth weekly conversations about movies since 2011. So many great movies, so many great conversations. But it's a lot of work. Producing this show week after week does require a lot behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, one easy way is by using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these great discussions. We had some great films in Season 8 that started their lives as books or plays, and you can find all of them on our Originals page at thenextreel.com slash originals. That's the site where listeners can find links to purchase all the source material behind the adapted films we covered from season one up through our current season. For part of season eight, we had a series celebrating the 50th anniversary of films from 1968. We talked about 2001 and 2010 for our Odyssey series, both adapted from Arthur C. Clarke's novels. Man, the second one was so much better than the first, right? Don't you even get me started. <sighs> Need I bring up Under the Cherry Moon again? Yes, also so much better. <laughs> wait, wait, no, that's not what I... <sighs> Planet of the Apes kicked off its series based on the novel by Pierre Boulet. We covered Danger Diabolic and The Detective, adapted from novels for our 1968 crime films. Wait, wasn't that The Detective the prequel to Die Hard? They were both written by Roderick Thorpe, and yes, it's the same character in the books. I can't believe they even asked Sinatra if he'd be in Die Hard. That would have been yeah. weird. <laughs> Uh, Once Upon a Time in America was part of our Leone Once Upon a Time trilogy, adapted from Harry Gray's novel. And we looked at 1968 Best Picture nominees The Lion in Winter, Rachel Rachel, Romeo and Juliet, and Oliver! We also had an Ingrid Bergman series with adaptations like Spellbound, For Whom the Bell Tolls, Murder on the Orient Express, and Gaslight. We haven't talked about Gaslight. Stop gaslighting me! <laughs> Dive deeper into these books and more adapted films at thenextreel.com slash originals. Every purchase supports the podcast. Get the full list of adaptations that we've covered on all the Next Real family of podcasts and start your next read today at thenextreel.com slash originals. Real everybody. I'm Pete Wright, and that there is Andy Nelson. Hey, hey, hey. And we spoil movies. Tonight on the show, Rocky the Elder trades blows across generations in the 2006 end of an era. Rocky Balboa. Who was the greatest? Who was the best of all time? If two athletes from different eras could actually compete against one another, who would come out on top? In one corner, the reigning champion at Mason the Line Dixon. He'll be pitted against the former two-time heavyweight champion, Rocky Balboa. Computer says Rocky Balboa would be triumphant. I think there's still some stuff in the basement. What basement? In here. I think I want to, like, fight. You know, nothing big, small stuff, like locally. What are you trying to prove, Pop? I thought you might want to get involved. Don't you think you're too... 
you know, old. I think your brain's losing altitude. <laughs> you heard Rocky Balboa applied for a license. You want me to fight a guy that I can beat with both hands tied behind my back? That computer fight got a lot of people curious. Yeah, but I ain't interested in getting, like, mangled and embarrassed. People are gonna think you're going crazy. What's crazy about standing toe-to-toe -to -toe saying, I am? If this is something that you gotta do, then you do it. Fighters fight. To beat this guy, you need speed. You don't have it. You've got calcium deposits on most of your joints, so sparring is out. I had that problem. So what we'll be calling on is blunt force trauma. Heavy-duty punches that will rattle his ancestors. Let's start building some hurting bombs. Andy, I don't think I have been uh, as nervous talking to you about a movie in a, as, as I am about Rocky Balboa uh, in a long, long time. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, because I know it's the first time you've seen it. it I've seen it uh, several times, and... Uh, <laughs> I've been really looking forward to watching it again, and uh, I hope you don't stomp on my heart. <laughs> Just tell me this. Is it better than Rocky V for you? It's hard for any of these films to not be better than Rocky V. You know what? I almost, Can we just stop? Rocky V was such a low point. Let's just stop there. Thanks, everybody. Coming attractions. <laughs> That's a wrap. That's <laughs> a wrap. What do the kids say? Amazon? <laughs> I, uh, okay, so the film started, it was rough in spots. Uh, I think some of the writing, I was like, no, nah, it wasn't quite there. Some of the characters, I was not quite feeling like he was in the groove. I I felt the setup with Mason Dixon as the antagonist of the film was a little rough. I never quite connected with him. I was really mad, Pete. I was <laughs> really mad yeah. at Stallone. When I found out that Adrian was dead, I wanted to get into the <laughs> ring with him and throw it down. I was so mad at him <laughs> that, that she died off screen. Man, did that set me off. But I have been, I I've been trying to hide that a little bit. And I don't know if you've you done a great job. I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea that she was going to die. And oh, so mad. I was like, and I, I screamed it in my notes. I actually screamed, <laughs> scream wrote. <laughs> was so bad. <laughs> uh, because I, 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 and she, she hasn't always been written uh, the best as we've talked about. And, uh, but still, I felt that um, she deserved to have kind of her last beat here. But as this film progressed, I came to appreciate what he did. And I came to really respect it because, I don't know, it ended up hitting me in a weird way by the time I got through the film where it re I, I realized this is the way that death is. You know, you don't always, you never get to choose when your loved ones die. Right. And it actually worked really well in context of this film and this aged fighter who was dealing with his own grief and his own losses and everything and who he was as, as his identity. Uh, it ended up working and I actually came to appreciate and understand the the motivations for uh, for having her die uh, between the films. Uh, um, OK, I stand relieved. I keep going. <laughs> I, the film, it had its struggles, but Stallone knows this character really well. And uh, while he may struggle writing some of the other characters, and I might get frustrated with the way some of the other characters come across in the project, um, his character, who is obviously the focus of the film, worked so well in this film as this as this aging fighter struggling with his, his identity and his relationships uh, by the time we got through to the end of the film i was uh, i was you know practically weeping it just it worked really well on me i was very happy with the way this film uh came together that i'm i'm so relieved to hear you say that because i had exactly the same experience there are some things that i i struggle with but in general i think this film really does succeed in in delivering what stallone had had promised to himself that this was a movie that i, I that he wanted to make uh to recapture the character of Rocky Balboa from Rocky and Rocky Two, and that character, that guy, that that fighter, that you know Philly native, that kid, 
he came through in this movie in this 50 some odd, some odd year old fighter and with that same sort of weird you know naivete and innocence and and um uh, you know drive and passion and uh physicality that I remember for those first two movies and and thought of fondly, even as I struggled with how he wrote the transitions and the narrative arc and the the you know all of those things I I struggled with even on this round. I adore this character and I think this movie uh, really nailed what that's all about, what it means to be Rocky. And I was just I remember seeing this the first time and I was so so surprised. Because I thought this was going to be another throwaway. You know, we were on sort of a downhill ride, even though I loved uh, or not. You know, I, I enjoyed Rocky Five. Let's not go crazy. I, I enjoyed Rocky <laughs> Five, uh, certainly more than you did. But uh, the first time I saw it, I thought, well, this is going to be another, you know, Rocky Three, Four, Five. You know, we're throwing it away. I like Rocky. I'm going to go see it. And I remember being just deeply moved by what this movie did for this character at the end of his very, very end of his career, an XXX fighter uh, coming back to the ring. It's just, it was really powerful for me. And this time watching it, I think I, I saw even more of that sort of nuance of the character, what it means to be, um, you know, an aging man in the society without his family and, and how to rebuild. I just was really touched, really touched by the journey of this guy. It worked really well. And I think just the whole, the struggles that he has, the the life that he's created for himself as kind of this not rich guy who's just moved into a different career and he's has this restaurant now and uh, I, it, you know, struggling in his relationship with his son, it, it just was such a nice, uh, a nice place for him to be. And the way that he ends up kind of befriending and becoming kind of a father figure for little Marie, I thought was a really interesting uh, element to bring in here, uh, especially considering the whole father-son issue that we had in, in Rocky V. Here we are having kind of this similar thing, but not quite, but similar where he's having, you know, father-son issues with his own son. And so he ends up kind of bringing in this, this pseudo daughter that he can kind of uh, help out. It was kind of an interesting, uh, and don't thing. forget They're, another son, right? I mean, and, and you know, right, steps, yeah. right? Hey, right, right. Um, I, I liked all of that. It was just, it was sweet. It was yeah. nice to see him finding these connections as people are wont to do in their lives and something that helps them continue to define who they are and how yeah. little Marie was a great connection for him to that place that he was at the very beginning of this franchise that uh, I don't think Polly represented very well, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, but it was, I don't know. I, I, I just liked these elements. And he is the, the driving force of the film. And his, his journey as he goes through this, I think, is what makes it uh, the film that it is. I wish that he had a better antagonist. I wish Polly was written uh, better still. But on the whole, I think the, that the way Rocky is handled and his relationship with his son, um, I think, is actually handled pretty well, too. Uh, that's what sells it for me. I, I'm disappointed that you didn't find more in Polly in this in this thing. He, he has three, I, I, by my count, uh, scenes that are strong and. Uh, that I find a connection to. And, uh, you know, one of them is, um, you know, it's on the the uh, when he's talking to Rocky about, you know, going to the grave to visit Adrian. And he's and then later he's he's talking about how I can't do this no more. You know, I, I can't. And it's on their driving tour on the anniversary of Adrian's death. And they go to the pet shop and they go to Mickey's gym and they, they look at all the places and and uh, where that were important to Rocky, the ice rink. Yeah. He says, I can't do this no more. You know, I can't do this no more. You for you, it's looking back on on a great life. You treated her well. And he says, I didn't treat her well. Like I, I was no good for her. And so looking back just makes me remember what an awful person I was. And that, that admission, it's like one line and it tells me everything about how far Polly has come in the last, you know, five movies. And because he wasn't written well in these, the last three in particular, um, it was a little glimpse at the Polly that I wanted to see. 
you know, when he's, uh, God, sorry, Rocco, I can't do this no more. That look on his face, it like freezes in that weird, like I'm about to cry smile that uh, just hits me square in the teeth. Really powerful moment for me. Yeah. And, and I will agree with you with that moment, that, that moment I think worked nicely for me with him. And there isn't guess, much else with Paulie, right? I mean, if if you well, want to say he's underwritten, it's because he's just not in the movie that much. And maybe that's my issue uh, is that uh, like the, it's I think it's just my perpetual struggle with with Polly as a character. Like in the films where he's working, he's given like one good scene that yeah. allows him to do something with the character. Yeah. And then he's just like in the corner for Rocky right. the rest of the film. And right, that's, right. That's pretty much it. And it it does, I think it just gets frustrating because I, I just, I, I'd love to see some more interesting stuff happening with the character and it never quite gets there. He gets, in this film, he gets let go from his job at the uh, meat uh, packing plant and uh, and then he's in Rocky's corner the rest of the time. And he he does it, have that great breakdown in the restaurant, though, where he's after he's he takes that meat and Rocky asks him, he slams the meat down on the bar and Rocky asks him, since when do they, uh, you know, do they let you retire and, and give you a meat? Like, wh- when does that happen? And, you know, why don't you give you a watch? And he he screams, you know, I have a watch. You gave me a watch. I got two watches as he storms out drunk from the restaurant. I thought that was another strong scene for him because it, it really lets us know just like what what he's lost and, and it's what he feels like he gave up to be in Rocky's Corner. And yet he can't leave Rocky's Corner. That's where he was. That's, that's where he's meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I know I'm not changing your mind. I'm not intending to change your mind. I, I really am only trying to defend that that I, I found him better written, more interestingly written in this movie than it's certainly in the last three. Well, yeah, I would agree with that. I would definitely agree with that. I think the last time we really had um, a stronger Polly was in the second film. Yeah. 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 True. So. Uh, OK. We also. Um, since we mentioned uh, Rocky's son, we don't get Sage back. I don't know if he just, uh, you know, wasn't. Yeah. uh, I mean, he was still acting. He was in another movie that came out in 2006, so it could be that his schedule didn't work. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know. I just don't know. Um, Looking through my notes, I can't find anything either, but he's replaced by an able uh, stand-in, Milo Ventimiglia, uh, who was in his you know, I want to say he was in his earlier days uh, as an actor, even though he'd been acting, doing guest spots on TV, uh, you know, through the late 90s. And um, uh, he had a, a bit on Opposite Sex. He had a character on Opposite Sex in 2000, um, a little bit on Boston Public. Generally, 2006 was the year things sort of blew up for him, right? Because he ended up with uh, this uh, a couple of other movies, Pathology, Gamer, and then Heroes, where he paid, played Peter Petrelli, and that gave him 69 episodes over four years of, you know, a strong protagonist in uh, essentially an anthology series. So um, I, I thought he was uh, I thought he was strong in this one as as his career is blowing up. This is the this is the guy I know from and, and I remember from Heroes and where he went on to, you know, to to do um what was the one he did he just just did this is us he played uh jack in this is us and he uh, was of, of some renown so um th- this was kind of the start of his career and him growing up on screen yeah and i mean he actually is just one year younger than than sage mm-hmm. so age-wise it's a pretty comparable position for for him to be cast as as uh, as Stallone's son, as mm-hmm. uh, as Rocky Jr., I think that he actually carries the part well. If I have any complaint about him in the film, it's that his turn is a little too quick for me. Um, yeah, I, I was fine with the turn. Uh, you know, I think that it actually works nicely, and I really think that Stallone wrote his speech to his son uh, really well. I thought Nailed it was a great it. speech. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. The sequence where we meet uh, Robert's boss in the in the lobby in the beginning of the film, I think, is just fantastic because he's the boss is chewing out, you know, his son in the lobby. And then 
as soon as, you know, Rocky shows up, he's like, oh, well, uh, you were going to introduce me to your son. Why weren't you? Take a picture here. Put your fist up. Us war horses have to stick together. And there's that whole bit, which I just I, I love that because it it demonstrates so many layers to their relationship, to Rocky's relationship with the public as as a retired fighter, uh, to his relationship with his son. I think it's it's really good. Yeah, I, I liked it. I think it might have been a little a little heavy handed. But I still agree with you. I, I got the point. I, I saw what they were doing with it, and it still it still ended up working for me. Mm-hmm. And I think largely it's the way that Stallone plays it, not so much the way that the uh, the boss ends up uh, being written. Did I do something wrong? What, what do you mean? Well, <laughs> I don't know exactly what I mean, but I just think it's like when I come here, you don't feel so comfortable, and I, I certainly don't want to do that. <laughs> no, you, you throw a big shadow. Big you're not gonna get anything done down here, Robert. Well, if you're not gonna introduce me, then I will. I am William Tomlinson. Hey, you doing? Your son is a misfortune of working for me. It's a good job. Yeah. You know, I gotta tell you, I've told Robert about 20 times that I wanted to meet you, but I guess you're pretty busy, yeah. which isn't a bad thing, is it? Well, I get a rule. Hey, look, grab up. a shot, will you, please? You may not get this chance again. Us old war horses have got to stick together, don't we? The old horses. Yeah. I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's good people, thing it's not your land. This makes very popular with people. One, two, three. Well, finally, we get to meet. Oh, look, I got to get going. It was nice to meet you face to face. All right, you take care of yourself. Robert, I'll see you later. I got to get going. Um, I'll change my plans for tonight. Oh, that'd be great. I'm looking forward to okay. it. Okay. Hey, how you doing? Going going back to Adrian real quick, I, sure. I do think that it's worth talking about kind of some of the origins here. Um, Stallone actually had her alive in the original draft of the script and he said it just didn't have the same dramatic punch and then he had the idea what if she's gone it would cut rocky's heart out and drop him to ground zero uh he had to tell uh talia shire this and he said she handled handled it with such dignity i told her talia you're the heart and soul of this movie but you're just here in spirit and that's what's going to drive the film your heart drove the first film it's what i call the adrian factor and then she later said the film has has great regard for the process of mourning. Sly utilizes mourning to empower Rocky and Adrian is made very mythical. Yeah, I think, she sort of becomes his Yoda. Yeah, it it's really I, I think that's very true. All of that, um, just the way that it did play. It just it felt so authentic and painful. And just the way that he dealt with it throughout the course of the film really it just it was for me like the strongest element it was just so touching to see the way that he handled all of that throughout the the name of the restaurant too right now is adrian's and he walks up to the door and he he, you see her name and and you realize he's walking sort of into her spirit and and then the first person he sees and they're sitting there is spider rico and and that recall i think that that nod to the past uh, is it just on top of Adrian's memory, uh, you know, vis-a-vis the restaurant is uh, is a really strong message. And he lingers in this space for a long time in this movie, right? It, it's an hour into the movie before we even get to the point where he's thinking about boxing again. This is very much the character piece from the first movie, right? This is we're living in his life today. We're living in the echo of his career. And I think that is a, a testament to the strength of the architecture of this movie, uh, that it is as patient as it is uh, in ways certainly that four and five were not. Oh, absolutely. And I think that it's something that uh, worked well for Stallone as as an aging actor now. Uh, that that he's in this place where he's also probably feeling it as this actor who has kind of you know he's hit this point where he's not exactly uh commanding the uh the action movies that he once was right and uh, i think that that probably is harder for action stars and uh, honestly i think that the success of this is probably what spurred him on to create the whole uh um uh what's expendables. The, the expendables franchise because <laughs> it's like hey this would be great let's get all these aging uh you know action stars to uh to work together in some of these things it's it was a great idea i i think that it put him in a mindset that allowed him a level of honesty with the character that i think by this point we really needed and i think it helped the film a lot 
We have Little Marie in the film, not played by the actress uh, who originated the part, but um, uh, played by a, a capable, uh, another capable stand-in, uh, Geraldine Hughes. I uh, really enjoyed her performance in this movie. Uh, she's she's Irish, right? She's she's born in in Belfast, and and she's a, a stage actress and uh, has a, a strong one woman show that gets raves and um, and yet here she is as little Marie in a, a Philly bar. I thought she was just great. I really, I did like her quite a bit. I I think it was one of those things where I think I got a little confused because. I think in our conversation about Rocky five last time, mm-hmm. we talked about how the actual actress who played little Marie in the original Rocky came back to film a scene and it kind of got left on the cutting room floor. Mm-hmm. I think I walked into this one because I think you said, oh, her character comes back in the next one. And I think in my head, I was like, it's the same You're waiting actress. for the actress. Yeah. Well, and I mean, she was a little girl, so I had no idea what she looked like. And I'm like, oh, this is her. Yeah. And so I'm watching it thinking that this is the girl from the first one. I'm like, boy, they really lucked out because she's actually pretty good. <laughs> she's stellar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I find out, oh, it's no, it's a totally different girl. Yeah. But um I, I don't feel like I've seen uh Geraldine Hughes in much. Um, certainly this and Gran Torino, but uh I, I don't think I've seen her in in anything else that she's done. Uh, which is, is a shame because I found her to be a very striking character mm-hmm. and she carried the, the weight of kind of the, the streets, I thought pretty well. And, um, and, and I liked it. I liked that there was this really interesting relationship that developed between her and Rocky over the course of the film that, uh, made sense to me. And I think, that was something I was worried about. Once I saw where they were going with it, I'm like, I'm not sure this is gonna work. Mm-hmm. I was I was concerned that it would feel a little uh, off putting and awkward. But the way that they played it always worked, and so I was very happy with the relationship. And I I just appreciated that it was in there because it kind of it felt like the sort of thing that Rocky as a character would end up gravitating to. Him gravitating to her here is every bit the same way that he gravitated to Adrian in the in the pet store. I mean, it wasn't uh, the you know it was this it was more from a a, a space of just sort of protection and and almost paternal uh, you know response and and I think you know where we have the added layer of you know romantic attraction with Adrian. I think the root of his attraction to uh, Marie here is is comes from the same core place that same place center to rocky which is i'm gonna take care of of you and i'm gonna take care of your son uh and uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna go on a journey together and i'm gonna change your light bulbs too (laughs) (laughs) it's just a great little moment right i thought that was a great moment it was on 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 your always empty streets that was one thing (laughs) i'm like right I felt like they needed a few cars once in a while. Every time they were having conversations on the streets, whether it was him or his son or somebody else, it was always empty. And I'm like, I feel like there's got to be some cars going around sometimes. I, I wonder. And, and you know, you look at the buildings, right? There were buildings that were just straight up burnt out, right? Right next oh, to yeah, her yeah. building. I mean, they're <laughs> literally burnt out halls of, of building. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I had the same thought. Like, she really is this is the only place that's right. available for for her if it is it's great i mean this is i'm coming at this from a place of uh you know clearly a place of privilege i don't i've never i've never been to this part of philadelphia i don't know but it, it did seem like there needed to be you know a little bit more crowd walla just a little bit <laughs> yeah yeah i can we talk about um mason a little more Okay, can we we got can we do something though? Can we separate something? We I I just want to get the the a central question out of the way and then we talk about Mason. And the central question is, do you buy the conceit that gets that gets Rocky and Mason put together? Do you buy this computerized uh sort of fight uh setup? Oh yeah. I okay, I, I totally bought it. Good, it, good, it good. It's the sort of thing that feels like something that um any any sports uh thing would do yeah and any cable sports outfit yes yeah yeah they're going to be 
comparing statistics of of boxer versus boxer from any age and say, okay, well, how would how would Rocky do if he, you know, if it was Balboa versus Marciano? If it was, you know, yeah, I feel like it's totally the sort of thing that they would do. I I did too, and from a place of defending the point, I started searching exactly for that, and it turns out it's a waste of time to even do that because there's so many people who are having that argument in blogs, on videos, like cable news, whatever. Yeah, that yeah. is a that is settled science that we're going to be doing that and i'm not much of a sports person so that was kind of news to me (laughs) so i'm glad to hear (laughs) that we're okay so now we talk about mason and um mason's uh was played by antonio tarver uh who is a um another boxer yeah another real boxer Uh, professional boxer right right okay so go ahead i think i think he's battled a lot of real boxers in the ring yeah oh yes Yeah, Yeah. yeah yeah I mean, it's interesting because this is the first film where we actually start the film off in our fighting montage where it's not Rocky. We're watching uh, Mason mm-hmm. in in one of his matches, and we see why Mason may be a champion but isn't liked. Was it Tyson who had that boxing match where in like 23 seconds he KO'd his opponent and that was the end of the match? Yeah. And all these people who had paid ridiculous amounts of money to to uh, watch the fight and stuff were were peeved because you are paying to watch a show is essentially what it is. And when somebody comes in, when one of the fighters, when one of the entertainers comes in and ends it so quickly, it it kind of kill it's like going into a broadway show and they sing you a song and that's the end and you're like uh oh but i paid eight hundred dollars for this ticket and that's all i get out of it yeah obviously it's sports and there's no way you know how things are going to go but i get it you know and i don't think mason does and i i like that about his character but it still didn't make for an interesting character he's never written in any interesting way and he always is just uh angry and never gets it and even at the end i feel like he kind of turns and starts to get it but then he's kind of not getting it and it's like i don't know it was a really frustrating character because i wanted somebody who um could stand up with the other rocky antagonists and and would be a great uh representative of the people that he's fought over the course of the over the franchise and i just don't think he's there i mean i actually think i preferred tommy gunn over him well of course you did because tommy gunn was great (laughs) (laughs) well he's at least an interesting character like there was a lot of interesting stuff like his character had a wide range of ups and downs and emotions and everything going over the course of the film mason is is like a very one note and it was very frustrating because i liked this film so much and then there's mason and i'm like come on Real time fact checking, just so we get that right. It it was in fact uh, Tyson, and it was a thirty second knockout against Marvis Frazier in nineteen eighty six, and okay. that was very controversial. And it actually makes the moment in this movie when Tyson shows up and is yelling at the champ <laughs> uh, all that much more uh, sweet. Yes, yes. I wonder how much it matters. The more I see this movie, the more I I get to step back and recognize, you know, this is a movie about Rocky versus himself, right? Uh, As much as the final fight is exhilarating and extraordinary and incredibly shot, uh, this the movie itself is about Rocky figuring out who he is as a man at this age, and is he capable of addressing that sort of the downstairs stuff uh, that that he's dealing with? And in, in that regard. Mason doesn't really matter. It could be anybody jumping into the ring with him, right? It really could be any stuffed shirt in in uh, or stuffed trunks uh, in, in the ring with him. I'm with you. Like I really wanted this to be a, a battle of the sort of you know a titan, and I don't get that feeling from from this you know from Mason Dixon. Um, but in the end, I let it go because I I I feel like rocky won the the battle that counted well and i agree with you there but still i mean there's there's the level of antagonist that you have like internally but i think you still have to have that representation externally Mm -hmm. and that's where it struggles because i mean yes it, it is there internally and it works really nicely but that external struggle isn't as strong as it is now that being said i do think that by the time we do get to that final match 
I think that that is handled pretty well with Mason. Mm-hmm. And actually, once we're in the the final match, I like everything that's going on there. I think Mason's struggling with his fighting, I think, is uh, is nice. I, I do question like, OK, so would he actually have won if he hadn't broken his hand? Um, but then I'm like, well, would he have broken his hand if he was fighting anyone but Rocky? Because Rocky, as he says, it's like his, you know, he's made of bricks or whatever. Right, right. Um, but uh, there's this level of respect that he does get at the end, and he kind of does grow a little bit at least because at, at the end he's got that great line where he's, um, uh, you know, he what's he says? He's like, "You're a crazy old man." Uh, <laughs> Rocky says, "You'll get like, there. Yeah, you'll get there." Uh, <laughs> uh, but it was like said with all the some respect. Like yeah. I, I felt like he kind of clicked. I. I and then when they they call and it's like it's a split decision and he gets all mad again, I'm like, oh, okay, we might be falling down the wrong way on this one. But I I still felt like they they got a lot closer by the time we got to the end. Well, and I feel like the fine. We should talk about the final decision because as soon as the the thing was over, Rocky they go over and they kind of hug each other, and Rocky says, you yeah. know, you're 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 a great champ, and and yeah. uh, thank you for the opportunity. And I thought yes. that was a really powerful line. Loved and, it. Oh, God, Loved it was so it. great. And I, what, what business do I have tearing up at a split decision? Like, this is not a decisive <laughs> cinematic and dramatic victory, right? And, and I'm all, I, I just, I watch this and just like I did the first movie, like when you watch this movie that ends without a knockout in a boxing movie, you, I'm, I'm left to question, like, myself like what was i expecting i wanted just to see that kind of um uh, you know a, a knockout it sort of def- is a definition of uh, like the kind of sportsmanship that that i don't want to see <laughs> in the ring you know and and this this movie was um i think really celebrated the kind of sportsmanship i do want to see which is two people who are trying to use skill and and physical prowess uh to best each other in the ring and they ended up doing it while demonstrating a feat of stamina that is so far beyond what i'm capable of that i just have to to honor the the writing of it and the performance of it it was just tremendous uh and didn't have to end in that the ultimate kind of violence and and they were still able to get me emotionally invested in it I wholeheartedly agree. Wholeheartedly. Uh, four fi- alternate fight endings were shot on uh, previous days. This is coming from a report from a, a, a writer who was actually there, who was in the audience uh, as an extra and wrote a, a wonderful piece over at Total Rocky uh, about the experience. And I have two passages I'd like to share. The first one, since we're talking about the ending scene, I, I want to get your opinion. Four alternate fight endings were shot on previous days, one in which Balboa wins unanimously. One in which he wins in a split decision, one in which Dixon wins unanimously, one in which he wins in a split decision. An ending to Matt, to, an ending to the match was shot on December sixth, but was such a dramatic flurry of activity that many audience members were unsure what had even happened. Dixon ended up holding up one of three colored belts, however, and Rocky could be heard to say, "Enjoy it while it lasts." I, um, I, I, I wonder, you, you know, in terms of. The ending. My hunch is that they recorded all these endings because there are, you know, thousands of people watching and they likely wanted to keep some surprise. I like to think that it is possible that they just weren't sure. I mean, he he wasn't sure about the last movie, how it was going to end and and changed it at the last minute. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they were like, oh, maybe we want to go this way. And so they just shot it. But it, I like thinking uh, like you that perhaps they knew exactly how it was going to end. They were just shooting a bunch of different ending endings, so the audiences had no idea what was going to happen. Yeah, I I hope that's the case. I really do yeah. because I you know I I think it ended well. I think it ended well for the character too. Right, the character got his shot. He achieved his goal, and his goal was not to become the champ again. Uh, that would have been uh, not a good outcome for the of series. The four, yeah, of the four endings that they shot, I yeah. think the one that they went with was the best of those four yeah i think i think it actually allows for the heart it allows uh, rocky to still have some some victory in there Mm -hmm. uh some you know without without being a total loss or a total victory i i just i think that it was really nice the way that it ended up playing out and not vindictive i think that would have been really uh, heart sick hearing enjoy it while it lasts that would have been (sighs) yeah i don't like that damaging end 
especially because I, I think the moment that you already mentioned where they kind of hug each other after the match and he's just like, you're a great champion, all that stuff. It's like, that's what this whole series is about. Mm-hmm. This guy who has heart, he keeps fighting. He, you know, he's this, this tank, he's this brick wall and, uh, but he's full of compassion. We certainly see that at the end of Rocky four, when he's, uh, bringing Russia and the U S together through, right. through boxing. Um, but here it's the same thing and it's really heartwarming to see. Other thoughts on the final fight itself. We, um, we start with, uh, the champ walking out to Sinatra's high hopes. Nice little bit of comedy. <laughs> it was kind of, yeah, pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, I, I like what they do. It's, uh, this is something that I thought was pretty interesting. The way that they shot it was very specific. They actually start shooting the fight as if it were a major pay-per-view broadcast. I think the first yeah. two rounds they shoot that way on, uh, they shot it on high def to give it very much a TV style look to the fight. Then he goes into a more cinematic style, kind of similar to the way some of the other Rocky films were shot. But uh, as as it says, there's a little less choreography, more improvisation, allowing some actual boxing to happen, um, which is definitely a departure because before they had scripted and practiced everything. And actually, I think in this part is where Dixon, or I should say um, the actor playing Dixon, um, accidentally uh, where tarver accidentally punches stallone and actually knocks him out <laughs> during, <laughs> during production whoops yeah that's didn't very funny that. yeah well and and he said and and rocky is on the record he said that this is if for this movie i don't want you to hold back i want you to hit me i want to let's let's you know let's really do it and yeah uh so there's there's even more of that according to stallone more actual boxing, actual fighting in in this movie than than in this final fight uh, than even in in previous films. And the way it looks, I I don't know. I just felt like I I I bought into it so much seeing this older guy who's struggling to get in there, and just the looks on his face as Dixon is just throwing these these quick, speedy punches his way, and he's just having a hard time getting. Uh, getting out of the way and he's getting so frustrated with himself it I worked think he hits the mat three times in the first first round yeah, right something I mean, like that yeah. yeah he has a tough go i i just thought it was so successful the way that they did it they do play around with some other things throughout where they drop to black and white but pop certain colors out mm-hmm. i debated with myself if if they were going too far down kind of some strange stylistic roads just because like you know was there intention and and uh, a storytelling reasoning for doing some of this stuff like earlier in the film he would randomly go slow mo and do a color tint to the the footage like when Polly is let go and everything slows down and it all turns blue mm-hmm. some odd choices like that that didn't necessarily always work for me but i on the other hand i was like you know Stallone is trying some interesting things here I give him uh, credit for that because I was like, okay, it's it's not always it's not like Scorsese where mm-hmm. I feel like this is a person who completely gets it and knows exactly what he's doing and why. But I did feel at least that Stallone was like trying things because like there was an emotional draw to it, even if he didn't fully understand it. That's interesting. I I felt like it was a very effective and and super intentional and and there's a, a lot of real high key stuff like really brightly lit like blown out details in the whites. It's a much cooler. Uh, the entire movie is much cooler uh, than the other films. Uh, and and that felt very intentional to me. It showed the age. I think it made him look rougher. Um, and and protect, particularly in this high def sequence in the first two rounds that you were talking about. I think the it. it popping the bright lights like that uh is is super striking against you know slick skin and and um you know under the bright lights of the the ring itself i thought that was very effective the the middle rounds montage which i think is is you know where you're going into some of the the camera tricks right slow-mo and the black and white flashes and and um, uh you know the the color popping i think um to me that i thought that was that was really effective way to move us through time in a new way right i mean we've struggled with i think um you know how these fights uh are allow us to move through time and not start feeling like i've, I've seen this before and 
the stuff they did in this movie in particular, I felt like I haven't seen before. I certainly haven't seen as clearly the level of ferocity uh, that that they were able to to unveil in this movie in the other movies. Oh, you think so? I do. I think this is uh, to me. This is the best final fight of all the Rocky movies. I I mean I don't I think I disagree with you there, but I would still argue that I think that there's levels of ferocity that we've seen in some of the others that may stand up a little more than this one just because i feel like the fighters are just stronger like in four i think that he and drago had some serious uh power going on there it it seemed pretty ferocious yeah i I, you're right i don't think dixon stands up to drago uh in you know in, in that regard but in terms of of rocky's performance in the ring the the level of just sort of you know the way they use the camera to demonstrate what this old man is doing in the ring i thought was exceptional i mean it was really yeah. exceptional and that is a combination of those sort of unique factors rocky was still a, a strong fighter in four right here it was yeah. different and they approached the the you know taking a step back to the the fight montage right and this movie the was training. sparse on montages. Yeah, I'm sorry, the training montage. Uh, that that training montage happens, oh, I don't know, where does it come in? An hour into the movie? Hour seven into the movie? Um, I, I thought this was so great, showing us, you know, new ways to train. And, it, you know, it was similar to the, the montage taking us to Siberia, but I thought it was so much more, uh, again, ferocious uh in in this movie with the chains and the kegs and uh, you know let's build some hurting bombs i was in it i was in it i'll do what i'll do what you tell me duke whatever you got i will i will wholeheartedly agree with you and i will say watching him do all of this and even where he's saying you know you're gonna have a hard time running so we're gonna do these other things yeah and so they're talking about all the stuff that they're gonna do and how hard it's gonna be because he's old and stuff and then when we see him running with the dog in the snow and he Ugh. goes up the stairs again, I was like trying not to weep because I'm like, he's doing it. I know. He's doing it. <laughs> he's just doing it. That's right. Uh, oh, I, it was I, like, oh, it, they, this was bringing me back to so many of the great feelings that I had in those earlier films, films of watching him do these things and succeed and stuff. And, uh, it just... It had all the feels. They did a great job of capturing that. And it worked so well with him as this older fighter. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, just aside for a minute, I do have to just say, speaking of montages, I also love the end montage where we have just real people. Uh, this is during the credits. We're just like real people running up the steps and just <laughs> cheering and dancing at the top. I'm like, that was awesome. That was a great, yes. great little way to end this whole thing. Yes, yes, it was. Absolutely. Yeah. Back to the fight. I, I just want to read another passage from this on-site uh, report from Total Rocky. Uh, another passage speaking specifically about Stallone and what he looks like in the ring. Sly himself is an incredible physical specimen. In the flesh, he appears years younger than any photograph taken of him. His youthful vitality doesn't seem to translate completely into photos. When he disrobed before shooting, he revealed an absolutely massive and amazingly powerful physique. If compared to his body type from one of the earlier films, I would venture to say he now looks closest to Rocky IV. Standing next to real-life champion Antonio Tarver, Stallone's head comes up roughly to his screen opponent's nose. However, by sheer size and mass, Sly looks as though he has the strength and muscle to break the guy in two with his bare hands. Mm. I That, you know, those are some hurting bombs, Andy. Hurting bombs. <laughs> We're going to rattle his ancestors. That what That's what happened. That is what happened. It's it was just great. You you said all that lines. We haven't called out Tony Burton, who actually yeah. is the one who delivers those lines. You're right, and he's great. And uh, he and uh, Burt Young and Stallone are the only actors uh, to have acted in all six films uh, at, by this point. And it's nice to see uh, it's nice to see him returning again because I do like seeing him standing in the corner. So uh, music, Andy Bill Conti's back, and I just want to you know tie into the big fight. I think. Uh, the big fight music, the music that goes uh, that goes behind the middle rings montage is some of the best uh, singular music work in the series. Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> I, it's it's weirdly frustrating because I think Bill Conti has created some of the most iconic film score music with his themes from Rocky Balboa or from from the franchise from the Rocky franchise. Yeah. But what is 
odd here is that he uh, almost entirely used musical themes from the other films. Mm -hmm. He only wrote one new theme for this film, and it was uh, Marie's theme. Everything else is stuff that he's already done. So, yeah, it's great. I love having that music in there again, but it's the same stuff we've been hearing. It, uh, it is. For, and the, for the, the, the themes are absolutely repetitive, but there's something about the way it is put together. It, it stands as unique. It stands as something that is uh, it's it just really exhilarating in this fight. It's just it's a perfect package. So I agree with you. I think you're right. It's a it, it's it, I, I don't know what happened that that we didn't get some more new original music here. Uh, and, and this would have been ripe for it, but you know, maybe it's a, a bit of the irony of, you know, the aging star <laughs> back in the ring. Maybe it just wasn't as important. Yeah. yeah who knows? But I will say as far as that goes, uh, we also have all the songs Yeah, and I, uh, I mean, there's some great tracks in here. We're hitting this point where they're all, you know, the music actually sounds much more modern now, right. but it. It actually kind of thrilled me weirdly to hear Frank Stallone's "Take Me Back" <laughs> popping up again, <laughs> which was the last thing I was expecting to hear yeah. this uh, this song. That at the time this came out was a, a thirty year old track, uh, just kind of um, uh, uh, bringing us back to seventy uh, six. I yeah. enjoyed that quite a bit. Uh, you want to talk about editing a little bit? You know, I the only thing that I wanted to say, and this is something else that kind of frustrated me early on in the film. I, I felt like the editing and the sound were uh, were pretty rough, and I don't know what the fault was here, but the ADR in some of the uh, the, the the dialogue that they re-recorded, I just felt like they I felt like they were rewriting lines and and just putting new words into people's mouths because they never quite worked correctly with their lips. And then also in the edits, when we were going, this was earlier in the film, when we we're jumping back and forth between Rocky and Dixon, sometimes like the, the jumps were really just jarring. Like, why did we all of a sudden cut there to continue this story? And it was, it was kind of a, a frustrating and uh, sloppy. I, I hear you. I definitely hear you on the ADR. I, I didn't I didn't struggle as much with, with the editing, but I, I do know what you're talking about in the, the, you know, going back and forth on their their, uh, um, you know, their stories. I uh, I was not I was obviously I mean, I was in it. I didn't uh, I, I kind of moved on through that stuff. Yeah. Uh, How did it do in award season? You know, it wasn't a big award movie. I think that they were hoping it would be because they did end up bumping it up to kind of a holiday release in the hopes for maybe some some award recognition. Didn't end up getting it. But at the Golden Schmoes, it did get nominated for Biggest Surprise of the Year. That lost to Casino Royale, and I could, couldn't argue with that one. And then at the Stinkers Bad Movie Awards, Burt Young actually was nominated for Worst Supporting Actor, and he lost to Chevy Chase, who was uh, who won for the two films that he did: Dougal, which was an animated film, and Zoom, which was a I don't even know what that one was. Tim <laughs> Allen, Tim <laughs> Allen superhero movie. Yeah, I think that was one uh, my kids watched that once. I think it was uh, a probably, superhero. Probably. Yeah, and that, Courtney Cox was in it. Yes, yeah, yes, that's the one. No, that's not a not a great movie. <laughs> it's oh yeah here it is andy it's a 4.3 on the imdb scale oh my. no oh my. that's in the sweet spot i've never watched this movie <laughs> <laughs> all right how, how about the uh how about the box office didn't make any money Well, Stallone's return to his most popular franchise was a welcoming prospect for many people, and the studio agreed, giving him $24 million to get it made. That's about $28.5 million in today's dollars. The movie was scheduled for release President's Day weekend, 2007, but, as I was just mentioning, was bumped up to the Christmas season, getting its wide release in the U.S. on December 20th, 2006. It was competing against a limited release of Letters from Iwo Jima, Curse of the Golden Flower, Venus, and The Painted Veil, but later in the week, um, but again, because of the holidays, uh, we had the full swing with The Good Shepherd, We Are Marshall, and Night at the Museum. Because of this holiday glut, it ended up opening in third place behind Night at the Museum and The Pursuit of Happiness, which was in its second week. It did drop out of the top 10 in just four weeks, but it still went on to make its money back. In the end, Rocky's popularity gave it a domestic box office take of $70 million and internationally of $86 million, earning an adjusted total of $185.9 million. That's a solid spot for this aging fighter that no one was expecting. 
landing him with an adjusted profit per finished minute of $1.5 million. That's pretty sweet for this it movie. Is, it is. It really like, is. Talk about yeah. out of nowhere. Uh, this movie that he'd been working on for, you know, since, since, you know, for I think six, seven years, uh, you know, trying to figure out how to undo Rocky five. Uh, I, this is, that's a, a hell of a performance. Well, and I would argue that the success of this is what allowed him to come back and do the, uh, final entry in the Rambo franchise as well. Yeah, that's right. Which he Which, did a couple years later. Good Lord, that was a violent movie. I haven't seen a, another franchise. I've seen like half of the first movie. I'm going to need you. Re- <laughs> we're going to end minute. up secretly getting this added to the list Andy, now. <laughs> no. Okay, we're not. But half of the first movie, like there's no, wh- yeah. what excuse would you possibly have for that? I went to the bathroom, I, got I, real sick while I was there. Like, I, why? Just, I, I, I think I fell asleep and then I is one I just never ended up coming back to or I had to return it. I can't remember. I hope we don't accidentally do a Richard Crenna series. <laughs> <laughs> I have to find a way to backdoor the, some Rambo yeah, right. movies in there. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I, I'm wondering, we should probably rank it and then do some closing comments on this part of the Rocky series, because things change where we go from here. So uh, Sounds what, good. what do you think? Let's jump into FlickChart. Head over to FlickChart.com slash the next reel, and you'll see all the movies that we've talked about on this very show. Uh, if you tap on FlickChart in the show notes, uh, it should take you right over to this very movie where you can add it to your own list and see how it stacks up to ours. First up, we have Rocky Balboa or Romeo and Juliet. Rocky uh, Balboa, please. Yeah, Rocky Balboa. Rocky Balboa or Raise the Red Lantern? I think I'm Rocky Balboa. I think Raise the Red Lantern is the better film. But I feel like this is one of those cases where I'm going to vote Rocky Balboa because of the emotions and the strength of the character that we get, especially yeah. toward the end of the film. So Excellent. Rocky Balboa or Rocky? <laughs> okay, here we go. Rocky. Yeah, Rocky. Rocky Balboa or L.A. Confidential? L.A. Confidential. L.A. Confidential. Rocky Balboa or My Neighbor Totoro? My Neighbor Totoro for me. Wow, that's terrible. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you Totoro too. Rocky Balboa or The Social Network? Ooh, social Network for yeah, me. Yeah, Social Network. Rocky Balboa or Predestination? Predestination. Predestination, yes. Rocky Balboa or Seven Samurai? Seven Samurai oh, for me. I do love Seven Samurai. Yeah, Seven Samurai. Rocky Balboa or Fargo? I'm going to go with Fargo. Fargo. Well, that puts Rocky Balboa. It cracked the top 100. It's uh, 98 on our chart. 98 out of 392. So where does that put Rocky Balboa on your personal chart? Rocky Balboa... I ended up landing at 818 out of 4,100 wow. on my chart. 818, which is an 80%. That's great. Yeah. I'm I, so I had pleased. issues with it, but this is something that Stallone does well. When yeah. he writes his characters and, and writes to the strength of his characters and it works for me, I get really emotionally connected to them like the end of this film when he's at at the grave just mm-hmm. like all of the stuff i mean it hit me in the heart the, and he does that really well i was just really impressed with what he was doing well i you will be surprised i think to hear that my that, that flick chart actually sort of broke on this movie for me and i i disagree with where it ended up um <laughs> pretty significantly it ended up at 311 out of 1061 and that puts it at uh you know 71 percent right i mean it's terrible i like this movie much more if i go by the algorithm uh, it should be a three and a half star on letterbox.com but that that's why i i feel like i need to spend more time on in flick chart on the series rank and and that's where i'd like to take a little bit of a sidetrack for you if you were to look at how the series ranked uh for you on uh, rocky where where is that uh now if you're ranked just the rocky movies it would be rocky rocky balboa rocky and then i think it's just straight down the line two three four five really yeah okay i i actually still have rocky two up in there so rocky and then rocky two then rocky balboa uh and then uh, uh rocky five then three and four 
And that was the big change for me. Rocky Four fell hard. Uh, my memory of Rocky Four was much stronger uh, than it was. I think Rocky Four and Rocky Five switched places. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. So, uh, so what are you going to end up doing over on uh, Letterbox.com slash the next reel? I I I kind of agree with where it it uh, suggested after I ranked it that eighty percent feels right. So four out of five, with a heart. Even with my even with my issues, I feel like that's the right ranking because it just it's it warms my heart to watch the story here. Yeah, here's the here's the thing. I never went in and filled in my star rating for the other Rocky movies over at Letterboxd. So I don't remember what I gave Rocky. Was that a, did I give that five stars? Do you know? No, you dropped it to four and a half because we had some issues with it. Okay, then that's what I'm uh, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give it four and a half stars in the heart and uh, for Balboa. And I am really thrilled with how this movie stands up over time. I I've really enjoyed watching it, and and I'm so glad that we've now wrapped the first chapter of the Rocky. Uh, <laughs> I don't know the Rocky major genre. boxing Rocky movies Uh, and now we get to talk about some some fresh blood I uh, I, Creed is the only other film of the franchise that I had seen Mm -hmm. Uh, I saw that in theaters because I thought the idea was uh, fresh and original and really piqued my curiosity and I really enjoyed Creed so I'm looking forward to revisiting that one uh, next week yeah I'm excited to hear how it ha- stacks up for you now that you've seen all the other Rocky movies I, I wonder if that'll right. impact your right. your impression of it there's, there's a lot that goes on in Creed like in, in terms of uh, backstory that directly plays off of you know Rocky 5 and Balboa uh, and so you know I wonder if that, that gives it a different flavor now that you've seen that stuff Right. It might make a little more sense now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you want to hear more of us, but you can't wait until next week's show, check out the new show, The Marvel Movie Minute. We're talking about the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time, starting with 2008's Iron Man. You can support that show and all of our shows over on thenextreel.com slash Patreon and get access to our exclusive members-only weekend show, The Saturday Matinee. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. Amazon giveth, Andy. As Amazon always doeth. Yeah, there were some people who didn't who didn't care for Rocky Balboa. Yeah, there were. There definitely were. Yeah. Uh, where where did you did you fall to a one star, two star? Where'd you where'd you end up? I ended up looking at the one stars. Okay, I got one by by Long Tom who who uh, for Rocky Balboa he calls it Rocky Sloa. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't. He did not say that. He did. Really? He really did. Yes. Okay. All right. The video stopped working in the middle of the movie, but no matter. I had lost interest in the story by then. Why so many people praise this, I cannot imagine, unless they are the sort of people who would find it exciting to see Rocky Balboa brush his teeth. For a hundred minutes, <laughs> the story is about how the title character is elderly and has retired from boxing and has opened an Italian restaurant in Philadelphia after his wife has died of cancer. Meanwhile, young champion black boxer Mason Dixon has lost popularity because he has been easily defeating weak boxers in the ring, and the fans want a real challenge for a change. And the sports world is talking about Rocky and Mason possibly having a match. The problem is, the movie is very slow-moving and fails to evoke the emotions it intends to. The movie is full of nighttime scenes where Rocky philosophizes, talks with his son, and some other people from his past, and it plods on so that all tension is lost. Will elderly Rocky actually fight young Mason Dixon? Could Rocky possibly win? Does anybody care? I didn't. Andy, I have two responses to that review. Uh, One, I would watch you brush your teeth all the damn day. So that should (laughs) not be. (laughs) (laughs) Two, if 50 is elderly, you and I are about to be in big trouble. Uh, I have yeah. I have a two star review from Lone Ranger who says uh, that uh, he's a big Rocky fan. 
I own and repeatedly watch the entire Rocky set, the only movies I repeat watch. I even named my boxer dog Rocky as a tribute to this set. I couldn't wait for the last episode to be available. I won't share the details because you're like me and you're going to buy it anyway, if for no other reason than to complete your set. So you can just check it out too. Having said that, I find myself thinking that if this is the best Sly was going to do, I would rather he just have left the set as it was without this movie. This movie seems to be thrown together just to say it was done. I only gave it two stars for the great previous efforts. On its own, this one deserves to be minus 4.5 stars. Wow. This is a negative, real negative review. We've gone into fantasy numbers. Of stars. It, well, and, and weirdly, minus 4.5. Yes. Where's that? So, what's <laughs> with that last half star? I, I, I'm very curious about how yeah. they got to that negative. Place. Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you how Like, that if works, you're going Andy. there, why not just say minus 5 or minus 10 or minus yeah. 100? No, but, it's yeah. just because it doesn't make any sense. You've completely devalued the economy of stars. Do I need to go back to class here, Andy, and explain to you how star ratings work? <laughs> There's a finite number of stars, Andy, a finite number. And this minus 4.5 stars nonsense, this does nobody any good. What, are you taking stars from me now? Are you taking stars from me? Thanks, Amazon. I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms. But in August 2022, we switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM. And it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content. And we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable, too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash Transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash Transistor. Start growing your podcast today.